there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Katie Brown. Katie Brown is a counselor and phenomenal resources. We're going to discuss uh, her passion for walking alongside those that are going through seasons of grief. And we'll discuss grief and mourning. She'll share about her personal experiences with grief. We'll talk about some of the the benefits of moving through the pain of grief and mourning rather than avoiding it. We talk about some of the things that, that people try to do to avoid walking through grief and mourning and how these can be detrimental. The other thing that was very fascinating is we, we discussed the ideas of what parents can do as their children are walking through times and, and seasons of grief and mourning. How can they care for them? How they can provide um, wisdom and insight, and how they can dis- they can just listen. The other thing is a lot of us work on teams. How can we walk alongside of a, a colleague that is on a team that's going through a time of grief and mourning? Just a valuable time with Katie. She's a great resource. Really appreciate her being on the podcast just to help us all grow, whether we're going through a season of grief ourselves or we're walking beside somebody that's going through a, a season of grief um, in their life. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have a new friend today, Katie Brown. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Katie, will you take a few minutes and just share a little bit about yourself for the audience and then we'll we'll jump into some of the questions. Yeah, sounds good. Um, I was born and raised in the United States. My father was German, lived in Germany a couple of years and um, have lived overseas in Scotland. Um, I was a lacrosse player here in the States and, um, I have a passion for people. I love counseling. I've been doing it for, um, 16 years now. And, um, I'm a licensed professional counselor in the United States, live in Colorado at the moment, get to be around the amazing Rockies, love to ski. Um, and we'll be my family. I have three kids, twins, boy, girl, twins, a little girl who's six twins are 10 and been married for 22 years and um we are transporting to spain here soon in august wow that's a big transition big transition so i could go (laughs) 10 ways with that i always thought i wanted twins until i had one child and then i realized god (laughs) knew what he was doing that i just had one what's something about lacrosse i think you're the first lacrosse player that i've interviewed out of 170 interviews so far (laughs) um what's something about a lacrosse player maybe that we don't know Oh gosh. I mean, if you don't know anything about lacrosse, there's a stick and yeah. I mean, I could go on, on this yeah. one forever, but I will keep it short. There's yeah. a stick, there's a ball. It's yeah. really fun. It moves fast. Yeah. Originated with the native Americans. They played to the death. Obviously we don't do that. There's <laughs> boys lacrosse, super aggressive and rough and they hit each other and girls is more like basketball style defense type of thing. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thanks for taking the <laughs> unplanned question on that one. So today, <laughs> sure. we're, today we're going to be talking about um, grief and um, you have a passion to help others walk through seasons of grief. Can you share about how you developed this passion and where this passion came from, comes from and yeah, what drives you? Yeah. Thanks for asking that question. Um, as I mentioned, I've been counseling for 16 years. Um, I've just started doing grief work. I would say, gosh, I don't know, 2015, 14, which will be, I'll share my story, um, as part of that shift. And so, um, during that time, I'd say I I went through, or my husband and I went through infertility for a long time. When we were married 11 years, we found out we were pregnant with twins Hmm. and, um, 
after all sorts of stuff. Um, Mm. and so that was a huge, incredible blessing. Um, when our boy girl twins were our little, they, they were 18 months old. Our little girl started having seizures. Um, and she was actually paralyzed on one side, um, for probably, I don't know how many hours, but I didn't realize all this until later she Mm. was healed from that and she's doing great. She had several more seizures after that, but it's doing really well and hasn't had one since she was a little, little tiny peanut. Um, and then, so that was, I'm going to, I make a joke that this sounds like a country song. So just bear with me. And (laughs) I grew up in Virginia. So this is kind of listen to a lot of country music. So anyone that can identify with that, um, uh, that was in October 13 that she had started the seizures in January 14, our dog, who's a great Dane, amazing dog, who was like our baby. Cause we mm. dealt with infertility for a long time, died of cancer June 14. So not too many months later, my father died of, um, uh, uh non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm. Then eight months later in 15, my mom died of, uh, breast cancer, um, and then a couple more here. Then <laughs> my my uh, my aunt died the next year of also non or I think she had Hodgkin's cancer. Wow. Um, and then that's what my parents mostly is what yeah. got me into this. And then, but then recently my my niece has died just recently. So um, so yeah, lots of loss and layers of that, and trying to sort out that. And I actually after my parents died. I just thought, well, I'm just never going to be a counselor again. It's kind of where I was at at that point. Hmm. Um, and then the Lord did some really beautiful, amazing things and gave me a lot of gifts through the healing process. And um, here I am. Wow. That is a lot. And as you said, I'm from, <laughs> I'm from West Virginia, and that would even qualify as a West Virginia country song. So nice. um, it's uh, yes, that is a lot, a lot, a lot to process. And, um, and you said yeah. it very quickly. But if you slow down and think about it, that is a lot in a, in a compressed amount of time and yeah. um, just, to, just to walk through. So what are some of the benefits of moving through the pain of grief and mourning rather than avoiding it? I, I know in my life, I normally, I, I don't normally look for pain. And um, and in the, the times that I've lost in my life, it's been painful. So I've probably withdrawn from it rather than walking through it. Can you just share the, the benefits of walking through it rather than avoiding it? Yeah, just, you're right that I went through that quick and it's almost too painful to say it slowly. So mm. um, I think that's, you know, just to acknowledge that if like, I've, I've sort of like punch, 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 punch. This is how yeah. I tell people because it's more palatable for them and it's more palatable for me to say. Yeah. Um, and that kind of ties into this question of moving through the pain and grief rather than avoiding it. And as you can, you know, as I shared, I've been through a lot of grief and before that, you know, other struggles. And, um, but what I've learned is there's a sweet little book of, um, I'm going on a bear hunt for anyone that's heard of it. And it hmm. talks about, there's a tunnel referenced as they're going on the spare hunt and they say, you can't go around it. You can't go under it. You can't go over it. You have to go through it. Hmm. And that is exactly how grief is. It's Hmm. you've got to walk through it. And that's how you get to the other side is you walk through the pain of it. Um, and so the avoiding the other thing about grief is that it will pop up. (laughs) So Hmm. when I lost my parents, I had three really young children, um, after I lost my, my mom and, um, 
it would come out. I was so irritable. I can't even tell you. Um, mm. And I've seen this with a lot of the people that I work with as they try to manage it or kind of pop it down. It's like that whack-a-mole game that you're mm. trying to hit yeah. different moles down and then something else is going to pop up. So the the benefit of moving through it is it's going to be there and it is there and it's going to come up somehow. Yeah. And so if you try to shove it down in one spot, it's going to pop up in another place. Wow. Um, yeah. Is it linear as you move through grief and mourning, is it like a linear process as once I get through this stage or is it more a nebulous, pro, a nebulous process or just some wisdom on that? Yeah. Well, first of all, it looks different for everybody. And I think that's, that's really good. important to think about is that it's really dependent on who that person is, who God has made them to be, the relationship they had, the attachments, the connections, the joys, the pains, all the different pieces and complexity of life and relationship. So everyone is going to walk through grief and each grief, each loss, like I listed a bunch of losses, but each one yeah. looks different for me in my life and how I work, walk through that. Um, and as far as it being linear, I would say no, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it moves a lot of places. Okay. And so yeah. is it, it's not linear, that meaning that it might resurface at different times. And it, so it's not something, Hey, I went through the grief, grief process for three months and I'm going, I, I never have to worry about this again. Is, is that, is that correct? <laughs> that would be such a lovely nice thing, but no, it's definitely not the yeah. case. Um, yeah. So let's see, my parents have been died and dead now for, I don't know, gosh, uh, what is it? 15. So seven yeah. years, almost yeah. my last parent. And still I'm, and that, and it's going to be for the rest of my life when I'm 85, if I get the gift of living that long, I'm still yeah. going to be coming back to that. Yeah. The intensity of it, the override of it is not, is going to lessen over time. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, I mean, it's, it's a life process and work that you're going to be doing. Yeah. So. I think that's valuable to hear and know, because I think sometimes we feel like we're unique and we're the only person that is uh, going through grief or we are unique. I'm not saying we're unique, but I think sometimes the enemy uses it to think that, Hey, you should be getting over this and that the condemnation, a part of it, but just to hear from your wisdom and experience that, yes, it is something that we will deal with. And um, as you said, it might not be as intense, but it's not like it just goes away and, and we can forget that mm -hmm. we've conquered that battle and uh, or that hill and, and never have to look at it again. What, what yeah. are some common things that maybe people would do to avoid um, walking through grief and mourning? Yeah. So the, the avoidance piece, like we talked about ways that people avoid, um, <laughs> I've seen all sorts of stuff like, um, you know, pouring yourself into work, just working more hours, yeah. um, watching lots of TV. Um, actually I had a client say to me, um, not long ago, right after they lost a parent, they said, Oh my gosh, I, I've never, ever thought about drugs, but I'm really tempted to go use drugs. So things like wow. escaping through, you know, alcohol use, drug use, um, you know, things like escaping through, uh, or <laughs> here's one thing I did. I, and, and, it's not always a bad thing. We'll talk about this right. later, I think, but it's like, I'd watch like some sappy movie and it would give me some reprieve for a period. So yeah. it's, they're not, the avoidance is not all bad um, or negative actually can be really positive. I'm giving myself a break from the intensity of this, but other things, avoidance, um, you know, working too hard, um, 
kind of throwing yourself at playing sports. I've seen some people yeah. like they just, they work out all the time, hmm. um, things like that, or they just never go to that place. So let's say your, you know, parent lives in a different area. You never go there and you, hmm. you never visit maybe where they're buried, for example, or you don't, you don't go. I know people that haven't gone to the service and they just say, I'm just not going to go. Hmm. And, and there's good reasons for that sometimes too, but the avoidance of, I, I'm not going to think about this. I'm not going to look at this. As soon as it pops into my mind, I'm going to push it away and distract somewhere else. Those type of things. Yeah. Wow. So during this time of of COVID and we've, we've walked through and it seems to, I lost my profit license like two months into COVID because people asked me and I said, ah, this will be over quick. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so anyway, I've always said I lost my, I didn't have one, but if I did have one, I would have lost it like two months into this thing. So um, just to let the audience, they've heard that before, but I didn't have a profit license, but if it, you just, I didn't see it. But one thing that has been challenging is the grief that we've seen children walk through um, during the time of COVID. And maybe it was there all the time and it just wasn't as pronounced. I don't know. But how can parents help their children walk through times of grief and mourning? And yeah, that's my first question on that one. Yeah, no, that's such a great question. Um, and having three kids myself and um, one, it's super hard when you're grieving like we're all going through the COVID yeah. stuff, all, all the shifts in our world, which are huge in this period that we're living in, yeah. um, especially depending on what part of the world you're in. But then a lot of the parts of the world are going through a lot of these things that the rest of the world kind of ignores a lot of the yeah. time. And so um, how do we help our kids with that? I think one encouraging thing is that um, being a good parent really sits on reliability, consistency, comforting love and presence. And hmm. so that's something we can give them without having any training, without having any extra anything. Um, it does cause us to work through our own stuff, to be able to be present, to provide comforting love, to be consistent and reliable. Hmm. But that's really what any child needs and a child that's dealing with grief and loss needs. Um, hmm. So they need you to be there with them in it. And um, a couple of thoughts with that is, um, let's see. Yeah. Um, awareness of yourself. And so a lot of parents, especially when they're in grief, are like, well, I couldn't possibly share what I'm feeling because it's just going to explode all over them. So a couple of things with that, you don't want to explode all over them. Um, but you do want to give spaces for it. So mm -hmm. to create an open environment to talk about grief, so I'll use just cause it's easy. I'll use myself as my parents both died. Um, and so we tried like at dinner, we would tell stories about the good, the bad, the ugly, um, not too ugly. You know, right. It's like the, the more the, the ugly, as far as like, Oh, this was a story that yeah. may not, may not be, but it shows the whole person of, yeah. um, and, but in a way that's positive so they can process it and they can hold those things and they can feel freedom to ask questions um, of like, well, what would, you know, we called my parents Abby and Opa, what would Opa have done in this situation or what would Abby have done or what would she say about that? And so we have all these jokes now around my parents, like how they would do these goofy things. They were eccentric people, but creating that open environment is super important. Um, letting them know it's okay to talk about this. It's safe to talk about this. You're free to ask anything that you want to ask about this. Um, and also when there's sadness or overwhelming emotion to say, you know, mommy's really sad right now. or Daddy's really sad right now. 
and I might need a minute to myself, um, or to show them, to show them your tears or whatever the expression is where you want to be careful is the anger or the extreme pieces that could be harmful for them. That's when you want to retreat or ask somebody else to take over for you. Um, so if you're sharing with them and you think, gosh, I don't know if I can keep myself together, you want to ask somebody that can be more steady to be with you. So if you need the retreat, you can, and they can mm -hmm. still be present for them. Mm -hmm. So especially if you're sharing the first time about a loss or that type of thing, that would be really important. Um, yeah, there's a couple of thoughts. There's a lot of things on that one. I think in our family, we've, we've went through a transition and it, it was a grieving leaving, you know, as we left Madagascar, it was a lot of grief. So we sat with our yes. kids and we walked through a process and um, we found out that our kids did not feel comfortable. They did not feel like emotions of sadness, um, anger, mm -hmm. that we didn't allow those in our home, that we wanted mm -hmm. positive emotions. And so they could, they could share, I'm happy, um, uh, have full joy, hope, all these kind of things, but they didn't feel comfortable sharing the, the sadness mm -hmm. and the grieving process that we went through. So it made mm -hmm. me as a parent realize that evidently I wasn't present for them when it came to grieving grief and mourning because I just wanted them to move quickly through the sadness and, and those, what I would, I know they're not negative, but I would name them negative emotions. They yes. named them negative emotions. And so it was very powerful for us um, as a family just to realize, and they were hundred percent right. And I own it and apologized for it, but I really wanted them to move through those without sitting and being present as the qualities you shared of a good parent. I was missing out on those. So, um, but it's been a, it's been a growing season for us. So are there signs that parents can be aware of to maybe see if their children are processing grief and mourning well, or yeah. Is there some signs they should be aware of? Yeah, for sure. And just kind of tagging on to that last thing, a couple of things to think about when talking with children um, and just to identify, I think every parent can say the same thing. That's part of our avoidance. We don't want to go there and we don't want our kids to go there. And so that's part of the awareness for us as adults is like, okay, our kid, we need space and they need space to yeah. feel this. And is it hard as it is? This is really important that I sit in this uncomfortable hmm. and I trust God with this process um, as painful as it is. And I'm right up there. I want to run away as fast as the next person. Um, so for sure. Yeah. Um, couple practical things to think about is how old is a child? Um, how do they process the world? You know, how concrete are they? How much can they hold and, and understand? Um, how close was the child with a person who died? Um, hmm. Or like how, how connected were they in the culture? Were they home with mom all the time and you didn't really engage with the culture? Like for the move example. Yeah. Um, or were they going to school and they've been in school for years and they're super connected. And so you want to consider that how connected are they with the process or the person, if it's a death, um, or a leaving of relationship, cultural context of their cultural context. So hmm. a lot of the, this audience, especially the cultural context is different for the kids than it is for the mom and dad. Sure. And so you want to really consider how are they going to view this? How are, uh, what does grief look like for them in mourning outside mornings, more the external processing of the grief. Um, other pieces, how curious is the child? One of my kids will ask me a million questions. The other one won't ask one. And so mm. just how, how much are they going to want to hear about? Do they want for death specifically? Do they want to know what the body looked like? Do they want to know, you know, all these different pieces um, and to give them freedom kind of like we talked about. Um, 
the, there was another thought and just left my head for a second, but I'll move into the second part, which was you asked, how can we tell if they're processing well or not? Yeah. Um, and kind of like adults, you can read their nonverbals. You can see what's going on for them. You can, if they are avoiding like crazy talking about this thing. Um, okay. That's a red flag or something to be concerned about or something to press into more. Maybe it's not like a, you know, huge red flag, but just, okay, I need to find out more about what's happening with them. Ask them about how they're feeling about that, creating more space for them to be able to move into things. Um, and I think also just watching, is their personality consistent with how it's been or are they shutting down in places? Are they able to experience joy? Are they not? Um, are they able to be free about talking about these things? So really similar things to grownups, but it'll just be in a child's context. Um, one last thing with that is kids can be incredibly, they can say really hard things for grownups, um, in these losses. So especially like death loss, but really any loss, um, things like, well, I don't care about this place anyways, or I, you know, I didn't really like this person or who cares that they died or, you know, just different pieces and as you go into these conversations to be aware of that hmm. is their process looks really different and it is more concrete a lot of the times. And that's not meaning that's where they land, but just be prepared. You might feel shocked and you just let them go through their thing on that. So how would it, in if a child says a hard thing, should a parent respond to that or should they respond with silence or any guidance when if you said they can say hard things, um, how, how should a parent respond? It depends on what it hits for you. So if it's hitting okay. something big for you, I would wait on responding. Okay. And sometimes it is like you're already in a lot of pain and they say this thing and you're sort of like, what, what are they talking about? And then a lot more volatile sometimes, you know, response right. internally, be quiet in those moments. Um, hmm. If you're able to respond calmly and kind of press into it. You might, you know, tell me about that. So, you know, why, why do you feel like it doesn't, it doesn't matter that they died or why, why do you not care that they moved and try to get a little more background on that, where they're coming from. Um, but the, the reason I mention it is it just can bring a lot of shock or pain for the grown up um, hmm. and take some time and kind of figure out what's happening for you. And then if, if it needs to come back, if you need to come back to it, then do that. So Oh, I think what I'm hearing you saying is it's not always personal. The things that the child might be mm -hmm. saying are not the parent wouldn't necessarily, maybe it could be, but necessarily doesn't have to take it personal, but they're just hearing the child. Is that, is that what, am I hearing you correct? For sure. Okay. And that their process, it might not be as harsh as it sounds. That's part of them figuring out what's going on here. That's a good word. Good word. So talking about spiritual disciplines or practices um, that you would recommend for those that are walking through a grief process, and then maybe even a segue on that question of someone who's caring for somebody that's walking um, during a time of grief and mourning. Yeah. So ones that you would recommend. Yeah. So there's some really fun ones with this. Um, if you haven't, I'm going to say this probably the whole time that we're talking, but space is super important in grief and loss and um, whatever the transition that you're making. So that could be a job transition, relational, you know, um, 
leaving your best friend or a death loss, or, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that fit into grief and loss. So space is super, super important. So creating time and space. And that's where also the avoidance behaviors cut that off because you don't want to do the feeling. And so you, you move away from space, you make yourself busy. Hmm. Um, so creating space, creating time to be with the Lord, um, creating time to rest, to be quiet, to hear, you know, the Lord's creation, things around you, that type of thing. Um, one that I found to be really helpful is listening prayer. Um, Mm -hmm. I found kind of setting on scripture, reading scripture and then saying, okay, Lord, here I am. Please just speak to me. Tell me what I need. And some of the sweetest comfort and nurturing can be in that time. So then you, you know, I don't know how familiar everybody is with listening prayer, but then you just write down what he says basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, that got me through a lot of hard, painful things of like, okay, all the stuff my heart needs to hear the Lord and he knows, and he tells me those things and where I need to be brave. He tells me those things and speaks to me in those ways. So listening prayer, I found to be really helpful. Um, also centering prayer. Um, so that's something I've been doing a little bit more recently, which is kind of picking a word or phrase and going back to it and letting all the other things flow through. And so Mm. I know for me, my brain is just cranking all the time. Um, And so quieting, again, that's creating space um, and returning to God each time. There's actually been a lot of research around that. Um, Gosh, his brain, his name's Dan Siegel. I can email that to you later. I think it's leaving my brain, but he is, he studies it more from a Buddhist perspective, but he talks about centering prayer and it actually talks about that creating that space um, rewires your brain and helps your brain to be able to heal. And yeah. so that's a practice that I really like to. Can you give us an example of that? I mean, you said a word, is it, do you think is the word God or, or just like, and then it, you said that you'd let it pass through that. Could you give us an yeah, more it's yeah. interesting to me, yeah. but I just want to make sure I'm understanding correctly. Yes, it, it sounds a little, yeah, Buddhist-y. So, um, yeah, so centering prayer would be, so ways I do it, it would be Jesus, for example, yeah. or life, or like um, love, you know, yeah. or so you you pick a word to kind of return to. And the idea is every time your brain strays, so an example, let's say love, you pick the word or, or mm. um or Jesus or whatever. So you pick that word and your brain goes to, Oh, I've got to do this, this, and this for my ministry, or I forgot to do this, this, and this, or my kids said this, this, and this. So you take that and you say, Hey, Lord, I'm returning back to you. I'm going That's back good. to Jesus. That's good. And then when I say you kind of let it flow through is it's, I, I visualize that you can do this lots of ways. Like some people say a leaf or I visualize a river and all hmm. the other stuff that I don't need to be focusing on. I just, you just let it flow down the river hmm. um, or off on the leaf or, you know, whatever resonates for you to let the thing move away. Yeah. So each time you basically leave God, you're returning to God and your heart is kind of returning there and you, you can just be still, you don't need to do or think or work or toil and that's the idea of centering prayer. That's good. That's good. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. <laughs> Many of the people that are listening into this are colleagues um, serving on teams. And um, how can colleagues walk beside and care for team members as they process grief and mourning? And um, what are some things that you found that would work and maybe not work um, in caring for others during seasons of, of grief and mourning? Yeah, that's such a good question. I love that question because we hurt each other so much in this process. 
partly back to the avoidance is we, nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to talk about death and, or, you know, or loss or this pain. And, and this community actually is probably unique to that because, you know, the hearts that go into ministry are, you know, they, yeah, there's just more space for that. Hmm. Um, and the Lord hopefully gives us more space for that, but creating space for people and being, uh, with them in their pain. So that's kind of the biggest thing being with people. So ideas for that ways to be with people is send text. Um, be with them and don't expect anything back, especially when somebody's in the initial periods of loss, they're in extreme pain. Um, and to the point where they're not functioning well, like their memory isn't working, their body in ways is not working. Their systems are, and I don't want to, not as strong as shutting down, but they are not functioning properly. And so, and that's actually a normal physiological process. Hmm. Um, and so to have really low expectations to be with them and have low expectations. So things like texting them a song that's been meaningful or, you know, dropping off a meal with no expectation. Um, things like, um, just sending them a picture of a beautiful sunset or scripture that blessed you or letting them know you love them or, um, and being authentic and honest. So even saying like, Hey, this is, I really don't know how to meet you in this, but, um, but I love you and I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, those type of things yeah. are very important. How do we, how do we hurt people? You mentioned that sometimes we hurt people as the, what are some things you've seen that, that I don't think it's in my experience. I don't think it's intentional, but I think at the same time, mm-hmm. if people were hurt, they're hurt, you know, <laughs> so that we have to yeah. take some responsibility for that. What are some things that we would do that maybe could hurt somebody going through this time? Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I've never seen it be intentional, like you said, right. in our hearts for people, but things that are painful are avoiding. So let's say you just lost somebody and you're going through the grief. This is your whole life right now. Hmm. And people act like they never existed. So like you, you know, I don't know if let's say I'll choose me again with my mom or my dad, like people would just act like they never lived. Like, hmm. uh, that's all I'm thinking about right now. So can we just talk about it and be open about it? Yeah. It's not going to hurt me any more than it's already hurting me. Hmm. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the other piece is, um, things like, um, not listening, or I think to me, the avoidance piece is incredibly painful, but not showing up to like, I don't really know what to do. So I'm just not going to show up. Um, it's better to show up messy and not knowing what to do and fumbling than not to be there. Hmm. Um, that's another really hurtful thing. Um, so, so mentioning you talked about your parents, so it's not, Maybe somebody they're afraid if they mention the person that has died that that's going to bring it. So you're saying it, it's okay to share maybe about that person or say that person's name. It's not necessarily going to be a negative. Is that correct? Yeah, and I think one important thing is always ask that person because everybody's different. Okay. Um, and sometimes it might be like, oh, I can't even do this right now. Please don't talk about them. But even to say like, hey, I know you just lost your mom. Yeah. Um, just. I'm happy to talk with you about that at any point, or I know that you're experiencing a lot. Um, and I know you really loved your mom. We don't have to talk about it now, but I'm here for you if you want to. So giving grace and freedom. So there might be times that that person literally wants to run out of the room because they can't face talking about it with you or anyone. Hmm. It's not about you. It's about hmm. their pain, yeah. their feeling. So there's that. So, I, <laughs> um, but there's also a time of like, 
everybody just acts like this just didn't happen. I could barely get out of bed right now. This feels awful. So I think Hmm. acknowledging it and also giving the freedom of like, Hey, we can go either way here. Hmm. That's good. Good, good, good. And is your point that it's not about us. And I think that's a lesson I'm learning is majority of time when I tell a story, I'm at the center of the story. And um, when somebody's going through grief and mourning, it's not about me. And um, I think acknowledging that and returning to that. Um, and sometimes I have to return to that frequently because I quickly put myself in the center of the story and when I'm not supposed to be there. And so, yeah, very, that was a tweetable quote. Um, you <laughs> This one, one or two more questions for you. You mentioned about uh, prolonged grief and persistent grief. Um, can you unpack the difference maybe between the two and just share a little bit more about those prolonged and persistent? Yeah. So first of all, grief and our response to it. So all the stuff I said, you know, briefly about functioning, that's totally normal. Hmm. That should be expected. It's not weird. It's not, there's nothing wrong with you. It's completely normal. Your brain just doesn't work. Like that's yeah. one of the things. And it's different for everybody how they experience it. Hmm. Um, you're going to be exhausted probably. That's normal. Hmm. Um, that's probably going to be for quite a long time. That's normal. Hmm. Um, things like that. So there are so many things that um, at least in a lot of the cultural contexts I live have lived in and gosh, some parts of the world and other people that are listening, you do grief so much better. Um, than a lot of the Western world, but all these things are really normal and giving space for them is good and normal. Um, and also painful and we want to avoid them, all the things we've already talked about. But as far as the prolonged and persistent grief, I'm a counselor. I have to use it, you know, a diagnostic tool. I don't like that at all, especially around grief, but technically it's called prolonged grief disorder sort of. So with that piece is um, how they kind of look at that is there's the name has changed a bunch. It used to be called complicated grief then it was called prolonged grief. I might even be mixing up because they've changed it so many times. Um, but basically it's the time period, the, the length of the grief and mm-hmm. another pretty much the key I think is if you're moving in your grief or not. I, to me, that's much more significant than time period. So are you working through it? Are you willing to go into the pain? Are you, or are you avoiding and are you kind of that piece, the prolonged piece is, is, are you kind of running through in this stuck place for a year, for two years, that kind of thing. I hesitate to put a time period on it. Cause I will say, um, I was processing my grief the whole time. I had a lot of losses all at one time. And three years later, I literally was like, I don't even feel like I've thought about, like I haven't even done any work with my mom and she was the last, mm. you know, significant one for me that died. So there are all kinds of circumstances. It takes a long time. Um, but that's what that prolonged piece means. The length of time that you're grieving in a way that you're not able to move is kind of how I would define it. Okay. Now, a lot of the diagnostic pieces say different pieces that honestly, a lot of the grief community doesn't agree with. Um, but the way to kind of differentiate, I think the way to say like, okay, how am I doing my grief is, am I moving in it? That would be the main question I would ask. That's good. Good word. One last question for you. Um, Grief intensives. Um, What are these and um, how would someone access them when they're available? Because I don't think they're available just yet, but um, could you just share a little bit about those for us? Yeah. So I'm really excited about this. Um, We, like I mentioned, are moving to Spain and I'm hoping 
my husband and I are opening a retreat center there. We're hoping to offer these there and also maybe in Denver and everything's kind of unfolding as we speak. But um, grief intensives would look like it's five, seven and 10 day intensives, depending on kind of what sort of loss you've been through, um, what the circumstances are. And they'd be for individuals, couples or families. Um, and things that we would look at is how to move into a lot of the stuff we've talked about today, how to move into the pain without the overwhelm. Um, so how to, how to move in and be able to move out and kind of get back to, um, the kind of functioning that you would like to in the day-to-day tools to cope. And, um, what I call it is dosing grief. So basically like even, you know, how do I, how do I have some times where I feel good and then also move into this and how do I build up my stores to be able to move into the, to the grief. Um, and then what do I do when I get back to where I live? Like, how do I do that? And what tools can I use and those type of things? So that would be part of the intensive. Um, and then also just time to rest. Like space is super important in grief. So how do I rest? And then also how do I have fun? Like, what do I do with the guilt that I feel when I want to have fun? And in a couple or family context, um, how do I talk to them about this? How do I, um, how do we have fun without getting frustrated? Cause there's so much pain underneath or how do we, you know, move through these things together. So those type of things would be some of the parts in the intensive. And as far as how to get to, to them, um, just email me. So email me, you can WhatsApp me, text me, depending where you are. Um, and I can give you all that information if you want to pass it along. Sure. I will put your email address in the show notes and then they can, they can access it that way. And, um, we, I don't know if we want to publish your phone number, um, but we'll, we'll put your email address out there. How about that? You so. are actually welcome to publish my phone number because I, <laughs> people, I also do telecounseling. So people okay. text me all the time of like, yeah, so that's no problem. All right. Well, we, we can include that with your permission. So, um, <laughs> Katie, it's been a joy to spend some time with you today and to learn from you. Um, will you pray for us and pray for the God will use this. And maybe there's someone listening in that is walking through a time of, of grief and mourning. You would just pray that God, God's hand in our life. Yeah. No, I'd be glad to. Thanks. Um, Jesus, we are so grateful that you are kind and you are good and that you love us. Lord, we thank you that you are over all of these things, um, all of our pain and that you redeem, you are a redeemer. And we are grateful for that, Father. Um, Lord, I just, I pray Psalm 112 over those, especially those in the midst of the grief right now. I just pray we welcome your light into the darkness. We thank you that even in darkness, the light shines. Um, Lord, and we're so grateful. So we welcome your light. We welcome your love and your comfort. Um, Lord, just bless them too with Deuteronomy 33, 12, that they can rest between your shoulders, that the one that the Lord loves rests between your shoulders. So I pray a blessing over them. I pray father that your spirit would be a bomb for them and that your presence would be tangible to them as they walk through this pain. And we are grateful that you are with us and that you walk with us and that you give us gifts, um, even in the midst of things that are so painful that you that beautiful things can come through these things. So I pray that over the people listening and especially the ones that are in pain at the moment. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.